Welcome to the Amazing Personal Stories podcast. This is the podcast that shares tales of triumph, success, and overcoming obstacles. If you want to be encouraged, enlightened, educated, or just get a case of the warm fuzzies, this podcast is for you. Once a month, our team will share a new story that highlights one person's journey through life and how they found happiness despite a few bumps in the road. Tune in each month as we share heartwarming tales of how people are winning at life. Let's get right into this month's amazing personal story. First of all, I want to start it out. Can you just tell the listening audience what your full name is and what your title is? Okay, so my name is Kim Ludeman. If you want my real full name, this is also my in trouble name, but it's Kimberly <laughs> Jean, and it used Uh-oh. to be Ellerbrook, but now it's <laughs> Ludeman. So that's the full name, but we don't use that one, only in the doctor's office. They, for some reason, don't get the memo that it's Kim, not Kimberly. So I always feel like I'm in trouble. Um, so that's my name, and I am a confidence coach. So what does a confidence coach do? Oh gosh, all sorts of things. <laughs> so my my primary job is to help women step into their confidence by overcoming the shoulds. And the shoulds are statements and beliefs that we have that we've picked up along the way throughout life that really hold us back and keep us held hostage in these terrible patterns of self-sabotage and of just this like shame cycle because they just, they should us and we should all over ourselves. So I use personal training, nutrition coaching, and movement to help women really step into their confidence and really kick those shoulds to the curb. Okay. So I get the, for the nutritional stuff and some of the other things, but how do you use movement to increase confidence? Oh, gosh, girl, that's where I started. So 10 years ago. Wait, 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 wait. Let's take it a step back and we can kind of incorporate it in. Where did you grow up? Tell us a little bit about your story. And then we can kind of delve into how that developed into you creating the movement as one of the help tools. Perfect. Perfect. Love it. Yes. So I grew up in Sacramento, California. Okay. And I lived there until I was 18, and then I moved to Portland, Oregon to go to Bible college, of all places. Oh, wow. And I I know, right? And I've been here ever since. So how does a girl from Sacramento then suddenly go to the Pacific Northwest and totally make that work? I know, right? Okay, so that is what all of my friends in high school said. It was like graduation time and everyone's like, where are you going to school? And I was like, oh, I'm going up to Portland. And everyone's like, what? What do you mean you're not going to Southern California? Because that's where everyone went to school. Azusa, Biola, San Diego, like Cal State, everybody went south and I went north. I think I was the only person that did in my class. Wow. And was it worth it? Did you regret it for a second or did you think maybe I should have gone to school in Southern California? No, no, it has been amazing. I've been here 15 years and no, 16. Oh, I've been here 16 years. Holy cow. Right. And I just love it. Oh my gosh. I, I can't imagine living anywhere else. 
I grew up in the Pacific Northwest and ended up doing kind of a reverse move like you did. So reverse from what you did. I went from Pacific Northwest to California and have felt the exact same way. So I guess it's really a function of, do you like, is that a train? It is Oh a train. my goodness. <laughs> awesome. I'm so sorry. No, that's so cool. It's you never hear those loud. anymore. Yeah, it's just the Amtrak is just right here. So there it goes. I'm not going to edit that out. (laughs) It's part of the show. It's totally part of the show. Um, Okay, so you came from Sacramento. You moved up to the Pacific Northwest. How did you get into the personal coaching and that sort of thing? What, What did you start out doing? Did you always do the coaching? No. So it's funny because growing up, I didn't really exercise at all. And I was overweight when I got to college by about 30 pounds-ish. Wow. I mean, according to the doctors, like, quote, ideal weight. Yeah, um, which is never is. what you think is reasonable. <laughs> I guarantee no, you. <laughs> no, they're like, you should be like this little stick. And I'm like, if I weighed as much as you tell me I should, there would be like a skeleton. Right? Like, I got Skin some bones. dense bones. <laughs> yes, me too. I feel you on that. So you were a little right? a little bit on the chubby side, but not too bad. Not like obese or anything. Mm. Well, according to the BMI, I was. That was definitely, yeah, definitely in the obese category. And I just, I didn't exercise and I didn't eat well at all. I think the first time I had a salad of my own, like choosing, was in college. Wow. Did you just not like salad or did your family, that just wasn't something that your family ate? Oh no, they would make like this taco salad and I, I, you see all the air quotes I'm using over here, but this (laughs) taco salad was basically like meat and iceberg lettuce. Oh my gosh. And my parents would try and like shame me into eating it. They're like, you know, you're going to be unhealthy. You're missing out. Like, you're going to regret not eating this. And I'm like, but in reality, it's probably had more calories than if you just ate a meat and potato meal. (laughs) So much more, especially once you pile on the cheese and the dressing and the chips. And it was always ranch. In our house, it was always ranch dressing and I can't stand ranch now. I will never touch it ever again, but I feel you on that. I'm definitely sort of a culture in the way I grew up as well, where it was meat and potatoes. And if you did have salad, it was iceberg lettuce and there was a lot of cheese mm-hmm. and ranch dressing and nothing helpful. Because that's what you have to do with iceberg. I mean, who eats iceberg and is like, mm, this is delicious. Right? It has nope. no flavor. Nobody. It has none. <laughs> Mass of watery so unflavorness. Um, okay. So an unhealthy sort of background that you grew up. So fitness and exercise wasn't emphasized by your family when you were growing up as well? No, not at all. Neither of my parents exercised. Neither of them ate well. It was, you know, I had, I I think, I hate to use the word addiction because it's a trigger for a lot of people. Yes. But in my my case, I think it, I'm pretty sure it was um, because it's still something that to this day is, is on my radar. A struggle. Um, yes. Well, addiction it's to, not like. An addiction to what like though? It used to be. I'm, I'm What's con- that? And what did you have an addiction to? Sugar. Me too, girl. Me Duh. too. Oh, it is the bane of my existence. It's such a poisonous, addictive, and I truly say addictive and mean it because it is like a drug. It can be. It sure can be. For me, it was 
I wasn't accepted for who I was when right. I was little, and mm-hmm. I was always told to be someone else. And even your family, the, yeah. Oh my gosh! Oh, yeah. Especially by my family, yeah. And that discomfort as a kid, I didn't know what to do with that. I didn't know how to process it. I didn't know how to talk about it. Right. So I just ate, and I ate sugar, and I ate more than the average kid for sure. What was your poison? Like what was your favorite thing to sort of your favorite comfort, sugary comfort food? Ooh, easy. So graham crackers and frosting. Oh my God. Me too. You are my sister in sugar. (laughs) I would make up these massive batches of frosting and then just put it between the graham crackers and like make a whole huge batch of them. And I loved it when the graham cracker got kind of soft. Yes. Oh, crispy graham crackers were not oh. not good because then it would squish out all the frosting. The oh my ones. god! So and then you could good. Just, yeah. I had it mm. down to like a science. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you made your own frosting, or do you bought store bought frosting? Both. Oh my gosh. I cannot believe Both. that. I didn't know there was anybody else out there that had that same love. I know. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I don't love it because it was terrible. Yes. It is nice to have that me too moment. Okay. For sure. So brothers and sisters? None. So you were an only child. Wow. Yes. Okay. And how old were your parents when you were born? Oh, pop quiz. Okay. Um, let's see. I think my mom was 24. Four. Yep, that math is right. 24. My dad was seven years older, so he was 31. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, only child. Your parents were not super, super young when you were growing up. So, what do you think the disconnect was there if, you know, you've got improper diet, no emphasis on exercise? Is this just the way they were brought up as well, or is it just a matter of, like, survival like, what do you think it was that uh, that contributed to that sort of unhealthy all-around lifestyle with your, your own family? Yeah, I think it was a lot to do with my parents just worked all the time. I mean, my mom was holding down two or three jobs, and my dad worked nights, and, you know, there just wasn't, there wasn't time created for that. And it was a lot of drive-throughs and a lot of like Costco chickens and, you know, just not like there, it wasn't a priority. The priority was on working. Yes, I agree. Um, and then they only had one of you. Like I grew up in a family with five kids. So like I can understand when you have that many kids, but when you only have one child and it's still a struggle, that to me sort of makes me wonder a little bit, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And Yeah, it's something that obviously I didn't think about growing up. I thought I had a great, you know, a great time of it. I didn't know that exercise was even a thing people did. And, you know, I got to eat junk food all the time. So as a kid, it was like, yes, this is the life. So were you in a religious family or how did you, because you said you went to like a Christian school, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So my mom was a conservative Christian, so evangelical. Okay. And... I grew up in the the church and so I, I always went to church with her and, you know, asked the Lord into my heart when I was five and my dad was kind of slow on the uptake there. He didn't, he didn't go to church with us for many, many years. And then finally he, um, started going to church and got baptized. And so, 
Yeah, that was a huge part of my story for a really long time. That is so interesting. I think I kind of, my family sort of went in reverse. I started out, they started out very, very religious. My parents were evangelical at that point, and then they sort of turned away and didn't really participate in that anymore. I mean, my dad still does to a certain extent, but my mom is, she is now, but there was probably 25 years that she basically was not involved with the church at all. But it's interesting in the play out in the lifestyle as well, that as soon as she came back to that, she started being healthier again. Huh. That's great. So I think that there is definitely a great influence and a lot of support within the spiritual communities to help people sort of live a better lifestyle and be healthier in some places. Yeah, there sure can be. You know, my mom did a lot of diet programs through the church There was a way down workshop and she also did this, I think it was called the Genesis diet or something to that effect. Um, So she always had a lot of support for that, uh, which to me was always interesting that the church would sponsor weight loss groups. But, you know, that's just something that they saw as a need and provided that for for women. So it sure can be. What would you say your biggest struggle was growing up? Something that you really had to struggle to overcome? Oh, I think that would definitely be being told that I was too much. And especially as an only child with quieter parents, my parents weren't going, you know, outgoing and, and very involved socially. So it was always just the three of us at home. And, you know, it was always like, Kim, you're too loud. Kim, you talk too much. Kim, you have too many opinions. Kim, you have too many fears. Kim, you have too many, like, on too many wants. On and on and on it went with just, like, the ways that I was too much. And growing up, that was really hard for me. And I never felt like I fit in anywhere. Aww. And, yeah, because, like, I couldn't be me. I was always being someone else. I was being who I thought I should be. Right. And that was just exhausting. It can be for sure. So you turned mm-hmm. a little bit to kind of sugar. And were there any other sorts of things that you turned to to sort of help ease that the pain that was going on in you for that lack of acceptance? Honestly, I mean, sugar was my big vice all the way up through college and high school. It's that was the thing that I used to help myself feel better because I didn't, I didn't have very many friends because I couldn't be myself. So you, if you can't be yourself, you don't have very many friends. Um, because I couldn't hold the mask very long when I did have a friend, I would try really hard to be who I thought I should. And then that only lasted so long before then my mask would come off. And as soon as I felt safe, but then they would leave, um, this is so sad. I know. I'm like starting to tear <laughs> up a little bit. <laughs> it's so sad. But yeah, that's it. Sugar was the main thing that I used. To I feel, feel for you, girl. I really do. Because I honestly feel like there are so many of us out there that have the exact same problem. Mm. And we were all just sort of in our own little space of like fear and rejection. Yeah. And we all didn't know that we were all experiencing the same thing. So I think had we known that, we would have had maybe a little bit more compassion towards each other 
But I think because we were all so, like, wounded in that, that, like, you put up this face and this mask, and that's what you show everyone else, and you're this strong, independent, intelligent, whatever you need to be to fit in. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's so true. And I don't know if we would have been more compassionate. I don't know how capable. I don't know. It's it's an interesting point that you raise for sure. Like you would hope that we would have been more compassionate, but like you said, everybody's walking wounded, so yeah. it's hard to. Well, everybody always much. thinks that everybody else that they're looking at in the in the world outside of them is not dealing with any problems. That their life is perfect. That they're mm. they've got it all together. When yeah. that's not the truth, yeah. so you don't have compassion mm-hmm. for people that you think have it all together. It's true. It's true, right? Oh, it does feel like that sometimes. So your big turning point was going away from Sacramento into Pacific Northwest. When did you Mm -hmm. really feel as if the wheels were turning and things were coming into play and you were just making changes? When did it, how long did it take for you to really feel that way? Yeah, so my mom in 2004, she passed away from cancer and... That was a huge turning point for me based on the fact, I mean, that obviously is extremely traumatic, but also some of the conversations that I had with my mom before she passed about health and about bodies. And one of the things she said to me was, you have got to take better care of yourself because you cannot get this. You cannot get cancer. You cannot die this way. It's horrible. It's, you can't do it. Yeah. And at 19 years old, I was like, okay, all right. I've never, I've never looked at what health means. I have no clue what that means, but I'm going to find out and I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it 110% because she was right. Watching someone die of cancer. It is the, probably the worst, one of the worst ways to, to go. And it was extremely traumatic. Yeah. I think unfortunately many, it's very hard for anyone to, um, exist in this world without experiencing someone that they know or love dealing with that disease. Mm-hmm. It's almost impossible. Yeah. I mean, because everybody knows somebody that's either had it, um, is dealing with it, or one of those things. Um, and it is a very yeah. scary, scary thing. I had an aunt that had breast cancer. My grandmother had breast cancer as well. And it is wow. something that I think lurks at the back of my consciousness all the time. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, I also know that cancer thrives in an acidic environment in the body. And I know that Mm -hmm. stress helps that acidic environment thrive. And I know that if you eliminate those things from your life and create a healthful environment with your body, your chances of getting cancer are much, much lower. So anything that you can do to assist in making your body as healthy as possible will help reduce those chances of having cancer. So I, I don't worry about it as much as I think I would if I didn't have that knowledge. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think I took it in the other direction, actually, and tried so hard to eliminate stress and to eat healthfully that it actually caused more stress and hurt my body more because of my obsession with becoming healthy. And that after after high school, that was just the trajectory that I was on for years. So were you anorexic? What it was. What's that? Were you anorexic? Did you have an eating disorder? I definitely had disordered eating. I don't, it didn't, I wasn't anorexic and I wasn't bulimic, 
but I definitely like my goal every day for my calories was to eat a thousand calories or less. I only ate unprocessed foods. I wouldn't eat sugar. I wouldn't touch it. And I wouldn't drink alcohol. And I worked out like (laughs) compulsively. Yes. Sometimes twice, three times a day. Um, because I was so motivated by fear yes, and also by, you know, controlling my body and just doing every single thing I could to, uh, to be healthy because I didn't want to end up like that. God, that is so scary because I honestly mm-hmm. think that as a culture, women in our society are pretty much told that the only thing they can control is their body. So the only way to do that is to starve yourself or compulsively exercise or do anything you can to control your body. Mm-hmm. And well, and the crazy thing is, is you can't control your body. Like, no, <laughs> you can't control it at all. And you well, know, if you... your body wants to put weight on, it will. If it wants to rebound from your diet, it will. And if you it can wants control to get sick, it, it will. You can control it to a certain extent, I think. But are you really happy with that? With what you're getting there, and when you achieve what you're achieving, I don't think you're really happy if you do it in that way. Hmm. Yeah, it definitely depends on like your methodology for sure. Absolutely. But yeah, it is. Yeah, it's so crazy. When did you get that. into the coaching? How what? How did it take you in that? How did life take you in that direction? Yeah. So working out, I did lose the weight that I had had. I lost thirty pounds and got super duper strong and super duper fit. And I was like, well, if a couch potato like me can turn it around, then anybody can. And I want to help people do that because I want people to avoid the same fate that my mom had. Would you mind sharing like how tall were you and and what did you weigh at your lowest weight? Yeah. So I'm five, six and I have a very athletic frame and at my lowest, I think I got down to about one thirty-five, like a size four. Okay. So that was scary. By no means Um, am I telling any of the listeners that that is a normal thing or that you need to weigh that much or if you are that height that that is what you should aim for. By no means am I saying that because everybody's body is different. Everybody's bone structure is different. I don't really advocate a goal weight per se as much as just feeling healthy and being happy with who you are as a person. So I just want to add that as a little disclaimer there. Perfect. But go ahead. Yeah. So you got to that, what you felt was like your goal weight and you felt healthy and strong. And then what happened? Yeah. So then I just, you know, I was like, okay, well, I want to help other people do what I did. So I became a personal trainer and started working in the gym and I had a busy schedule and I was helping a lot of people. And over the years, I discovered that it was so much more health and life and fitness was so much more than just was so much more than just movement. Yeah. It was so much more than just fitness. And it was a lot about nutrition. And so then I became a certified nutrition fitness specialist. Yay. Long wow. Time. Congrats. Um, yeah. yeah. So then I started, you know, incorporating calories and macronutrients and being able to help people, identify some of the gaps in their diet and what was happening for them and why the weight loss wasn't happening or why the weight kept coming back or, you know, what have you. And that was great. But again, after a few years, I was like, this, this isn't all of it. There's more to it. And 
discovered how much mindset coaching came into it. So, and then I trained myself on how to help people change their mindset and incorporated that. And I found that that wasn't all of it. So so then I, I actually slowed down on doing all of that and started doing, I did a direct sales company called LuLaRoe, which is clothing. And for two years, got to work one-on-one with so many women who were struggling with confidence. And I got to have these conversations where we talked about nutrition and fitness and personal style. And I started doing personal styling and I loved it. And it was like, okay, so this is it. So they need all of this. And then they can feel confident on the outside and work on it on the inside too. So how does the Done. how does the movement piece get incorporated into that? Yeah, so exercise is an amazing way to find confidence and especially when it's done in a way that feels really supportive and not a way that feels like you have to or you should exercise. So my work is a lot of mindset shift for people helping them find ways to move their body that feel really good, that feel sustainable. Because anytime you try to exercise for health or weight loss and you're doing it in a way that you don't like, but you're doing it because you should or that's how it's done, it's not sustainable. No. And any results that you get from that, you won't be able to maintain. And that's so disheartening, especially when you've paid a personal trainer or you've worked out for so long like once you stop, then all of your results go away. This is true. (laughs) Yeah. So you incorporated movement, you incorporated the confidence, you put all these things into play. And then you were like, holy cow, this is it. Is that, did you have that moment where you just felt like this is what I need to be doing? Yes. Yeah. It was about a year and a half ago. I was like, okay, I'm ready to do this thing. I'm ready to create a company that focuses on helping women in these three specific areas. And I launched a small group, sold it out, launched a second one, sold it out. And I've been doing groups and individual coaching. And it's been incredible to incorporate all three pieces. So tell us what the name of your company is. Captivatingly Confident. And I will put this into the show notes for the listeners. Um, and your website? Captivatinglyconfident.com. Okay. And tell us just kind of in a nutshell what this aims to do and, and what somebody would need to do to get involved in one of your programs. Yeah, definitely. So the website is the house, kind of the, the home base for any free guides that I do. So I have a couple of free guides that talk about like the roadmap to confidence and also how to stop shooting on yourself. Those are on there. I also have um, a page for my podcast that's on there as well. And there's also a page that's called work with me. And that has some of the options of ways that you can work one-on-one, whether it's doing just a single service or if it's doing like packages, that's all on there as well. So they can sign up for your services on the website. And what is your podcast called? Since you're going to be shocked, but it's Captivatingly Confident. <laughs> <laughs> and does it come out once a week, once a month? And how can listeners find that? Oh, you're so sweet. It comes out twice a week. 
So usually Tuesdays and Thursdays, I post episodes. We have about 80 episodes right now. Wow. so exciting. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you. So that is pretty much anywhere you find podcast episodes. It's on Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, uh, Stitcher for Android. It's pretty much everywhere. Awesome. So how long have you been doing the podcast? It'll be a year in September. Wow, that is phenomenal because so many people start <laughs> with that and then just peter out. Yeah, So true. you've got a website, you've got this amazing company that people can get involved in. What would you say is the most important first step for people to really start to understand and know what they need to do to make themselves feel better and whole and complete as a person? Mm-hmm. Such a great question. Yeah. So the guide that I have that's free on my website, Stop Shooting on Yourself, that is a great place to start because it helps you to begin the process of raising awareness of what's keeping you stuck and what's inhibiting your ability to find success, whether that's with changing the way that you eat or instituting new habits or moving your body effectively, or even just in the way that you see your body. I work a lot with women on their relationship to their body and really practicing self-acceptance. Right. I'm not a huge promoter of self-love and body love because I think that's a huge leap for most women. So we really focus on the acceptance. And by raising awareness of the shoulds, that is the first step in beginning that process. Yes, absolutely. So are you married? Do you have kids? I am and I do. Yes. My husband, Tim, and I have been married for 10 years. Well, congrats. And I have a little almost five-year-old son named Lewis. Very, very cool. It's always good to mm-hmm. hear women that are like figuring it all out. They can be a mom, they can be a wife, they can be a career-minded individual and still find success in all those things without sort of leaving one behind in the dust or neglecting one part of it. Because that is the biggest challenge that we as women face is finding that balance where we can feel good about our bodies, feel confident, dress the way we need to dress for our body type and still have a great career and be able to give our our children and our husband and whoever we're with the attention that they deserve as well. So kudos to you for being able to figure that one out. <laughs> oh girl, I haven't figured it out yet. I am <laughs> I am still figuring it out. It's definitely a process and I'm really thankful. I actually am a Portland chapter leader for the mob, which the mobsters, they're fantastic. It stands for mom owned businesses. Awesome. And it's a networking community. So I'm surrounded by women who are moms and entrepreneurs at the same time building these businesses. And so it provides so much inspiration for me. And I just am, yeah, I'm blown away by the things that people are able to accomplish. Absolutely. Cause there's only so many hours in the day, <laughs> right? It's true. It can absolutely be a challenge. Well, I Mm -hmm. think I am going to go ahead and wrap up the show for today since you provided some really wonderful and amazing resources for women to tap into. And I will put your website and all of your show information into the show notes for this program so that people can access that if they would like to get more information. Do you have a Facebook page as well? I do. Yeah. If you head over to Facebook and type in Captivatingly Confident Community, that's my Facebook group. And I'm also on Instagram the little at sign and then kim.ludeman. Do you want to provide an email and a phone number as well? You can if you want. You don't have to if you don't want to. 
true story, I'm really awkward on the phone. So if you want to send me an email, that is perfect. And that's just Kim at CaptivatinglyConfident.com. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Kim, for being on the show today. We really, really appreciate it. And it has been such a pleasure getting to know you a little better and hearing about what you have to offer. Oh, Sarah, thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor and a privilege. And best of luck to you with your business. I know it will continue to thrive as it has up until this point. And have a wonderful evening. Oh, you too. Thank you. (laughs) Okay, that's going to wrap up the episode. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. And if you would like to interact with us, you can contact us via email. We will put the email for the show into the show notes. You can also tweet or DM us on Twitter or Instagram at podcast.addict. We hope you enjoyed this week's journey. If you have someone in mind that you think would make a good featured guest for our show, please shoot us an email or DM us. We would love to talk to potential new guests for the show. We hope you enjoyed this week's journey. Be happy, folks, and tune in next time when we share more amazing personal stories.